Tanner, isn't it nice that you only have to learn something once? But do you? No, you have to learn something multiple times because your brain feels that it, it, it just needs to forget. Yeah, yeah. And you just got to keep reminding yourself and keep relearning the same things over and over and over again. I can't tell you the amount of times that I've had to relearn music related things, why certain signals go through music cables the way that they do. Um, I used to be able to explain to different people like you, everything, no matter how intricate about a camera, because it was like my absolute passion for a year or two. And the other day I tried teaching a kid how a camera works and no terms came to mind. And you were like, uh, and, and I remember it had something to do with this again. <laughs> oh, even, even the basics of like the exposure triangle, I was, I was having a real hard time. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, with certain wording of, of, you know, how certain things work. Huh. You should try it sometime. Try no teaching someone how it works. You'll, you'll see, you'll stumble. No matter, <laughs> no matter how familiar you are with it, if you haven't like explained it or taught it in a long time, then you don't actually have that solid of a grasp of it. Yeah, you, it, and it's kind of frustrating that you just have to keep up with it. I, um, I haven't looked over at my notes at all or stayed up to date with that information because I've learned how to use it in a way that works for my purposes. And that's fine, and that's what most people do, but I kind of love the idea of like maintaining being an absolute pro mm. where you know, oh yeah, this is my passion. And anytime I talk to anyone about cameras or music, I could just rattle off facts because like I'm up to date and I continually exercise my brain every day, keeping in touch with those skills. Um, but it's so hard to um, do that, to do anything every day. Yeah, I've come to learn. <laughs> and- Because uh, well, those are things that you don't necessarily just you might use the methods and the principles every day, but you don't necessarily use how to exactly explain every intricate process every single day. And so the stuff that you don't no, use yeah. over and over, that's what gets discarded. Yeah, yeah, and which is kind of a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of it. I mean, I, I guess it's good and practical in, in life that um, I didn't say impractical. I just said and practical. That <laughs> probably sounded. <laughs> it, it was it was a good old apostrophe and like a, mm, yeah, like stuff and things. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> As I was saying, that the things you use with your hands are the things that stick with you. As you're as you're playing guitar, you remember how to play guitar, but you might not remember the theory. As you're using your camera or painting with your brush you remember what that is. You get your muscle memory down. Those are the things you actually do every day. Mm -hmm. And you can do those things every day for years without ever coming across theory mm -hmm. or you know book smarts. And so that's a practice you have to purpose to, to stay up to date with or you're gonna just not know any of that. Yeah even if once upon a time you knew all of it. And so that's just frustrating. Yeah, and some people argue that it doesn't matter. And a lot of them are probably right in regards to plenty of things, but yeah, it's, it's more of a matter of just wanting to have that, uh, you know, if it's something that you're passionate about, have that deeper 
level of understanding rather than just a, yeah i don't exactly know what i'm doing but what i do usually winds up good instead it's saying like i know exactly what i'm doing and i know why it wound up being good that was what my next question was going to be is how much does it actually matter to have the head knowledge if you can just have the hands-on knowledge and experience that you need to actually do stuff i mean how many artists that you love or movie makers or whatever um, how many of them do you actually sit and like try to get, you know, tutorials out of them? We're like in the day of the internet and YouTube tutorials and all that stuff. But a lot of these pros that are doing what they're doing aren't like out making tutorials. They're out making content. They're mm -hmm. making things that are mind blowing. And maybe they're not great at teaching. And I've, I've heard people say that like the best experts aren't always the best teachers. But I started wondering if that's a good thing, if it's not the bad thing I always thought it was, because it's different focuses. You can focus on being a good teacher or you can focus on being like a good, I don't know, like executor, like somebody that goes and does right, cool well, like, stuff. Why, why would those people who are excellent have to be the best teachers? That's not what they're trying to do. Yeah. So, so then I, it, yeah, it's just distinguishing between what you want. Yeah, and there, and I think we could both agree that the hands-on practical knowledge is far more beneficial, and I would even say more important. But the the head knowledge is also it can be really valuable because yeah, like you said, there's a ever-growing number. Like it feels like the most common thing to see like a big artist, big musician, and when they're talking about one of their one of the people in their band or their producer or whatever, they're like, yeah, they do all the theory stuff and the production stuff and all that sort of thing. Uh, I It goes over my head and I don't even know anything about it. And so like, they just basically have a translator for them. <laughs> yeah, but they're the big name, but they actually, there's so much that they're not educated on. You and I were talking about this, uh, I think yesterday, where um, even still when we listen to music, we never think about the producer. We only think about the name of the artist mm -hmm. and you don't actually know how much work they did yeah how much of the artist you're actually hearing and how much of the producer that you're hearing or the engineer because there's a lot of artist in the producer which uh, there, it's not an, any sort of knock on artists and that sort of thing it's just like kind of a reality of it like yeah what you hear is a it's a piece of work that's been molded by so many people usually. And, yeah. but like, yeah, the only name that comes to mind is the name that's on the song. Right. I, in fact, I used to believe that a lot of those musicians had like no part in the production and that they were just like the songwriter and they'd go in the studio and do their thing. And then the producer was like, God, and he was all knowing and he would just do all this magic put a little bit of that in there and i'm you know it's amazing that i'm starting to understand enough about it to really humanize the producer and go okay that's achievable and actually recognize how many artists that i love that have at least a foot dipped into the production side mm -hmm. you know they'll sit at the laptop for six hours just trying to find sounds yeah and so that's that, it, you know, for me, there's, there's this love I'm trying to get of, of sound design mm -hmm. doing what they do. Um, because I, I've always loved songwriting, but then I'm left without 
any sound design, even though I have a song that I like. You're left without a way of actually documenting it or or translating it into... Yeah, because my, my brain will do sound design instantly, but, you know, when I play the song, it's just like me singing and guitar, and it's much lamer than whatever my brain thought up. So, right. you know, there's little subtle things like my brain you know, would hear me singing with a heavy compressor on it or or a lot of reverb on this instrument or whatever. And um, then you record it just thinking like, what I need is this instrument. And it's like, no, what you need is that instrument and great sound design. Well, that's another thing we've talked about is a lot of times, even for TikToks or just in front of each other, we'll like be playing playing like a drum beat, but it's just, you know, finger tapping on the table or like drumsticks on the carpet and like do. Right. And it's like, do you hear a drum beat when you hear that? Like, yeah, yeah. And my, my brain translates those hits into drum beat. But if you ask me to sit at the drum beat and do it, then it's not gonna work because I don't know drums very well. And so that's why, you know, like when I went and recorded drums uh, last week, uh, I, I sat with, Kendall and I was like, I need you to be my translator. And so I'm going to point mm -hmm. to things. <laughs> you just hit the things that I point to and we'll see if it works. And it, I think it did. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for, um, what song's that for? Uh, Friendly Reunion. Friendly Reunion. Yeah. I'm excited about that one. I really hope we can like grasp what we're wanting to grasp with that song. <laughs> it, it's a slippery little bugger. <laughs> <laughs> like the more you spend time with it, the yeah. higher and higher your you know expectations for it go. Yeah, yeah. And you want more and more from it. Um, so fingers crossed. Right. But yeah, if you're just tapping on your, your legs with your hands, making a little drum beat or tapping on the desk with like a couple pencils, um, your brain does immediately translate that into a beat. But I've come to learn in the last couple months of actually messing with drums that it's not accurate. Yeah. Um, I I think that I'm hearing a beat, but really I'm just kind of feeling something. And that's very hazy and unclear. Because when I go to the drums and I think, okay, I want to turn like, I don't actually know as somebody that has no experience with drums, which of those are the kick? Which of those are the snare? Which of those are the hi-hat? Is there any crash in that? Am I using any toms? Mm -hmm. I sit at the drums and I'm like, you know, okay, now let me just try to do this on the snare. You know, cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha-cha. And I'm like, no, that's not it. Right. And it's and a real- In reality, it's usually like some strange combination of all of them and you just don't know the combinations. <laughs> we we sound like inexperienced drummers. Some strange, like, yeah, it's just, if you hand that to a drummer, I've seen them translate that well and quickly. And it's like, that. I want that skill. Yeah. I want that skill for sure. And so, I, you know, I love the idea of learning so many instruments and making that something that like every day I'm teaching myself that skill of being a better musician. Okay, not better in the sense that like I'm the best pianist in the world, but better in the sense that just yeah. like I know how to play a bunch of instruments. You just want to be the jack of all instruments. Because it's fun. Yeah. And uh, it really seems to feed creativity, I think. Yeah, I think so. But, but theory is so elusive, and I don't know if I'm ever going to be the theory king. Yeah. I don't know if I can be. Every time I try, 
uh, I tend to forget it within three or four days because I don't have a lot of great actual applications. Well, that's that. what I was going to say. That's, that's the thing, you know, I've taught you some basic and I don't know that much, but I've taught you some of the basic stuff that I used before and maybe a couple times. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is just you never have really a, a huge application for it. And so it just often you'll like learn it for a day and then your brain will be like, well, we don't need this because we haven't used it in a while. Yeah, that's really true. And I, I don't know what the application for most theory or just a lot of theory I've learned is. Because again, as a videographer, I've done so much of it and figured out how to, you know, make a living doing it and whatnot. And it's like, but what do I do with the theory if I'm not actively trying to teach people? And it actually is great for me to distinguish for myself, just for my confidence, like between being a teacher and a professional, to where being a professional doesn't mean you have to be able to have all the head smarts. People should be able to just look at your work and go, wow, he has a lot of hands-on experience. That's impressive. Yeah. And I want to get past judging myself, thinking I have to have the head smarts because that has done me no good. If anything, it's stifled my progress. Mm -hmm. And it's just, yeah, it's always holding me down, this idea that, well, I need to Google more and watch more tutorials and like fill my head with all this stuff when really it's like, if I could just get hands on and put my creative taste, you know, into music and, and you know, try out different, shots that maybe well-educated people wouldn't try those shots with their camera because it's not proper and you're tilting the the vertical axis in a way that you shouldn't for real estate or whatever and it's mm -hmm. like blah 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 like you can get away from creativity yeah as you go towards head smarts yeah and that has always been a weird internal battle for me of like well i don't want to do that so i don't want to get educated but i want to get educated so that i can be a pro <laughs> i've gone through a lot of those I, I mean i started out like anybody else didn't know any of the rules and so broke a lot of the rules without knowing what they were and a lot right. of times it turned out bad a lot of times it turned out good right and then i learned a lot of the theory and then I got to a place where we might have talked about this before, but like you would do something on the piano and I'd be like, no, you're not supposed to do that. And I would immediately <laughs> be like, why? Right. Why is that? Uh, and I'd go, it's not the right scale or whatever. And something stupid. And then I would play it again and I would just be like, but listen to it. Yeah. I remember all of that. Yeah. And then uh, I, it does continue to be something that you have to almost struggle against but not to the same degree because you realize that those rules are only really guidelines they're only ways of understanding music they're not dictations of what music has to be or whatever. yeah yeah truth is i shouldn't have ever been hiding from it i've just been misguided um i need to learn all of those rules because of what you said they're guidelines they're helpful if you can remember to maintain that side of yourself that says creativity first. You are able to keep the knowledge that you have from stifling your creativity. Yeah. That's that's just a bunch of overthinking and and whatnot that I just want to get rid of. But you know, another thing is um more in line with like well, not more in line with video. I guess this is true for anything. If if you're starting out and it's your first, second, or third project, you know when you've just 
info dumped on yourself and you've got all this information, let's say with videography, because we both definitely experienced this, you're about to go film a wedding and you have written down on paper your shot list. It's the first time you've ever made a shot list and it is decked out with shot ideas. And you've thought through the list and you have different creative things that you might want to try. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. You've given time and energy to like picturing what these shots will be like in your head and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, you capture each of those things twice on the day of, and you talk with people to get them to pose for you because you read online, you know, pose shots rather than just candid everything. You want things to look candid, but um, without ever posing anything, sometimes you just don't get that magical shot of the two people doing that thing in front of that right, great so spot. You're, so you're doing all this stuff. Yeah, and that video, even though you're kind of a beginner, totally a beginner, that video ends up being pretty dang good. There are videos like that that I look back on. I'm like, wow, that was my first video or my third video. And it's better than my ninth video hmm. because it just so happens that on my ninth video, I felt like a pro. Like I was just like, you know what? I've done this nine times. It always ends up okay. You don't make a shot list. And it kind of compounds. You don't make a shot list. You don't ask people to, you know, stand a certain way. You just kind of think my camera's gonna capture this well. And there are parts of it that look better. Yeah. Cause maybe you have a little bit better Might gear. Be technically better. And but the video is worse. The video is so much worse. And you're sitting there like trying to band-aid it together when you're editing it. Yeah. I've done stuff like that. Similar stuff with some productions um, where not necessarily that I just don't put any effort into the planning or anything like that. But you just, you know, the first couple that you did, like you really went all out and trying to figure out a whole bunch of different tricks and techniques that you can use. And right. Then, then yeah. the next couple, like when, when you feel a little bit better, when a few people have told you that you're a pro, you start to get like that sort of pride well up where it's just like, okay, cool. I don't have to worry about all this as much. And I can just do these things that I've always done without thinking too much about it. But it turns out that you don't remember everything or it, just it just does take more effort than you thought you had to give even though you feel more professional than you used to mm -hmm. so our secret is to just keep learning so that we can not get relaxed not get apathetic towards the things that we're creating but to and also to not let that learning uh, stifle our creativity but to just let it inform our creativity yeah, it's good to just, you know, set that in your mind. I am going to keep learning for the rest of my life. I'm not going to become a pro at this and then I've reached the end of something. I'll never have achieved that level. It's just something that you're always striving towards. You just learn more and more that all of this is lifestyle. It's, it, this is your life. It's, it's like these decisions you're making of where you're wanting to put your time, your energy, um, that is the life that you're living. And you should ask yourself, you know, if you're happy with it, if you like it. Um, but it, it's just gonna keep going. There isn't like ends of the road for each of these things unless what you're doing is a means to an end. Right. And you're gonna one day 
walk away from that because you're moving on to something completely different. Um, you have to stay up to date or you're going to forget things. Mm-hmm. It's a constant process. You stay up to date and you got to find ways to incorporate what you learn into your daily process. Yeah. I thought it'd be a good way to end this episode by talking about Blank the Cow, uh, which we bought before we ever went to Colorado as a tip jar because we thought it was a brilliant idea to be able to tell people. Uh, you know, if you've never been cow tipping, that's your chance. <laughs> I love that. Uh, but before we ever really used Blink, I mean, I guess we used them once. We used them maybe once or twice. Yeah, I don't know. Again, before Colorado. Not much. Uh, we took them up to Colorado. We had them in the trunk of one of our cars wrapped up in a blanket to just make sure he doesn't- Keep them safe. You know, break. And I think maybe we were at a hotel trying to like yep. hot tub. Yeah. Uh, because Treat it was- ourselves out of our cars. Yeah, yeah, because it was cold that night. We were like, you know what? Let's freaking go hot tub and, and have continental breakfast at a hotel. And uh, we needed a towel or something. I don't know. I went and grabbed a towel in the from the back of his car and pulled on it and Blink went flying and and landed on the concrete and broke into a bunch of pieces. So yesterday I glued them back together with some Elmer's glue <laughs> and I'm hoping that that works. I mean, that Elmer seems to be holding up pretty nicely. I mean, but it looks fragile. Yeah, definitely <laughs> doesn't look like something we wanna toss around. But you can expect to see Blink at our future shows. You know, if yeah. you've never been cow tipping, now's your chance. And if you're wondering why his name is Blink, it's mainly just our old friend group uh, somehow decided that that was, that was the route we should go because we opened it up to all of them saying, what should we name our tip jar? Blink the cow. Blink the cow. Seemed right. So. The audio medium will not be uh, fully appreciating this the way that the people on YouTube will be. So if you're just listening to the podcast, go to YouTube and look at this, look at this nice, beautiful face. Mm -hmm. Then come to our show. That was another episode of the Spondifers podcast. You can find us on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Facebook, uh, Facebook, Spotify, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, App, yep, yep, Amazon. I'm really not carrying any weight now. Title, Deezer. <laughs> really? Snapchat. Because we have music all over the place and we also make videos on YouTube uh, sometimes, trying to do that more. And TikTok. TikTok is where most people love us. <laughs> where at least most people know about us. Yeah. Uh, Merch coming soon. We hired a designer recently. And, and he's really great. And, and he's, he's great. He's a good guy. And he went to like elementary school with us. We've known him a long time. Good friend. And he's going to make some, some, some real great stuff for us. Hey, thanks for listening. Should we try that again? <laughs> <laughs>